Lord God, we thank you for your anointing. Father, we thank you for your power. And Father, we thank you this morning for your word. For your word is true. You said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So Father, this morning, Father God, we discipline ourselves so that we not, may not only be hearers of the word, but that we might be doers of the word. So, Father, I pray none of me, all of you. Father, I come to stand, Lord, as your servant. And I am asking you, Lord God, to take, uh, Lord, that you would speak through me. And, Father God, that you would minister to your people, Father God, as you desire. Father, what a privilege it is to be able to, to feast upon your holy word. It is sacred. Your word, Father, endures all things. So we thank you this morning for what you're saying and what you're going to do in and through us. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 2. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 2. And when you get there, you can say amen, or I love Jesus, or something like that. Whatever is your preference. We'll begin reading at verse number one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod, the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what, the t what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. We're continuing our series, and we've been talking about keeping Christ and Christmas. But this morning, 
I want to talk specifically with you about worship. And what we will discover this morning is that we're going to learn from an unlikely group of people uh, what it means to really worship God. We use the term sometimes, I believe, very, very flippantly. You know, we say we're going to a worship service, and you know, we kind of use that term uh, sometimes, I think, and not really think about what it, in essence, what it really means to worship God. I can remember when I first came into the kingdom, and it's almost over 20 years ago, that when I first got saved, I remember being a little bit afraid to raise my hands or to sing in the company of other people. And, you know, when the, when the music came or when the choir sang or whatever, I would, I would kind of stand there. And I know some of you have never experienced this, but I would kind of stand there and I would kind of just kind of look around to see if anybody else was looking. And, and I might just throw my hand up if I felt comfortable enough. And, you know, and as I begin to grow in my faith and I begin to understand who Jesus is, and what he has done for me in my life, it became increasingly easy for me to worship him. Because once you understand, and, and I think how I many know you can be saved for 15, 20 years, and, and if we're not careful, we can forget where, we, where, where God brought us from. That's why God always told the children of Israel, he would say to them oftentimes, you need to remember, don't you forget who it was that blesses you. Webster defines worship as to regard with great extravagance, respect, honor, or devotion. The Bible also says that we are to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, all of our souls, and all of our minds. How many know the worship involves everything about you? It involves your whole being. In fact, the woman at the woman at the woman at the well, when Jesus had an encounter with her in the Gospel of John, chapter number four, uh, she wanted to start. She wanted to have a conversation with him about where people were supposed to worship, because you see, she was relegating worship and trying to confine worship to a specific location. And Jesus says, "The time is coming, and now is that the true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth." And so now what that, in essence, really means then is worship goes beyond just uh, an act or a religious expression. But worship boils down to a lifestyle. You know, when you give your resource, you know, when you gave this morning, it was an act of worship. When you take God's word and, and you say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to do what your word says. How many know that is an act of worship? Because you can't worship God and be disobedient to his word. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? So if we're going to be true worshipers of God, then we got to understand that it involves everything about us. It, it, it relates to how we treat our wives and how we treat our husbands at home. It, it, it deals with how we treat the folks on our job that we sometimes don't like, the people that mistreat us, how we relate back to them. Worship affects every aspect of your life 
Because when you became a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I trust that you're becoming and that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, then it changes you. It changes every fiber of your being. So true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Let's talk about the Magi for a moment. First of all, let me just say that for those of you who are perhaps not theologically sound, uh, the Bible does not say that there were three wise men that came uh, to to worship Jesus. I know some of you got that in your front yard. That's okay. I I just want to give you a heads up just in case you didn't know. We don't know how many there were. Uh, We also know by reading the Bible that uh, when the wise man came, there's no evidence that he was a baby in a manger. When he, they, the wise man got there, Jesus was almost or probably somewhere around two years old. He was a child because the Bible says, if you read that, we just read that verse, that he went into the house. So we understand that. Now, you may say, and, I, and all of us may be thinking, how, how is it that God would use the Magi? And see, first we've got to understand who were the Magi. Well, the Magi were, they were astrologers. They were from Persia, or today, modern-day Iran and Iraq. Uh, they studied the signs of the times through the charting of stars and noting the movements of other objects, and they were into making predictions. In fact, in their day, Many of the authority figures there would oftentimes, when they wanted to have some insight into uh, the future, they would oftentimes call on the magi, which is where we get our word magic from. And so, but, but if you're a student of the word, you understand that, that, that God did not allow for pagan worship and worshiping and, and, and you know, astrology and all of that. How many, you know, how many, nobody here read their horoscopes, right? Uh, you understand that this is the horoscope right here. Because that's not what Christians are to be doing. We are to be people that follow God's word, and God's word says that we're not to engage in that kind of activity. But it's a, it, it seems like somewhat of a contradiction because God, God used the Magi in order to show us how worship is to be done. It's an amazing thing. And so let's, let's, let's get a couple of Nugget of truth from how the Magi, how they worship. The first point is that the Magi, they traveled far to worship Jesus. Did you not know that the Magi, they traveled almost a thousand miles, took months, if not almost a year for them to reach their destination in order to worship Jesus. Now, now, now. I never rode on a camel before. Anybody ever rode on a camel before? I would probably take a wild guess and say that that's not a comfortable ride. I would say that if you're going a thousand miles, that perhaps you probably had to go through many adverse weather conditions and all kinds of stuff. Now, these magi, these are, these are not godly folk. These are not people that are worshiping Jehovah Jireh as we do. But they get a revelation from God who Jesus is. And they set on their way 
to go and to worship him. Because they understood the value of Christ and who it was that they were worshiping. And yet sometimes we all find it a little bit difficult to drive five miles in our car. In our nice air conditioned or in this time of year, warm car. Sometimes we struggle just to take a little drive down the street because you know what? I'm tired and I don't feel like going through all of that. I was, I was watching the ladies yesterday and they were coming over here and I, and I think, uh, and, and Rita was indicating uh, the traffic issues and, and how much traffic she had to get to just to come into the house of God to do what they did over there yesterday. In other words, it was an act of worship. And how do you know that when you really worship God, it's going to cost you something? It costs you, number one, it costs you your life. It costs you everything. And yet these magi who didn't even really know God, they understood. Now, how do you know that, that we are believers? We, we, we are saved. I hope everybody here. You know Jesus. You have a revelation. And you know who he is. How do you know that it, it should be relatively easy for us? To come into the house of God and to worship the king. But yet sometimes I hear people, they get up in the morning. Well, it's a little bit cold outside today, so I think I stay at home. Oh, we got an inch of snow. You know how this area, when you get an inch of snow, everything just shut down. And, and, and we say, no, 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 no. You know, you know, you know what? I, I just today, it's just, I just need to just relax today. Can I say that sometimes we get a little bit too familiar with our God? Can I, can I just remind us just a little bit that do we understand who it is that we're talking about? The same God that you say that you may drive to or you may come and worship, how do you know that that's the same, that house you're going to relax in? Uh, he gave you that house. That car that we leave parked in the yard because we're too tired and we don't want to, how do you know? He gave you that car. <laughs> and, but, the, but, but, but here are some pagan people and, and they say, wait, wait, wait we're, we're going we're going to go a thousand miles to worship. I remember I, when I first came to this area, I was still a part of a church, and it was about six miles away. And people used to look at me and say, why in the world would you drive 60 miles? I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy. Oh, why would you do that? Well, it ain't no camel. Thank the Lord. And secondly, you know, if God tells me to be someplace, I don't, it don't matter what the drive is. If God says, I called you to be here, it doesn't matter what the level of sacrifice is. I'll do it. You know why? Because he's that much to me. He mean, if God told me that every week I want you to drive up to New York to worship, I'll drive up to New York. You know why? Because he told me that's where he wants me to be. And he is worthy of all of that. Amen? Second point. God used these pagan astrologers to reveal who Jesus was. How many know that there was a... Uh, time in the Bible when God used a donkey to speak to a prophet. Remember Balaam? Balaam was asked by a gentleman by the name of Balak, of the Moabites. He was a king. He said, I need you to go and curse God's people. And Balaam said, no, no, I can't. I can't do that because, because and we know God gave Balaam a revelation. He said, no, no, you, you can't curse my people because they're, they're blessed. I mean, no, they, they, you can't curse what God bless. And, and Balaam Went back to God a second. Even after God told him, said, don't, don't go curse those people. Balaam went back because he, he realized that he could get some, something out of this, some resources, some money. And, 
and, and he went back a second time. But how many know when God tells you something the first time, how many know he means what he said? They don't need to go back and ask him a second time. Come on. So if God says no the first time, don't go back to God and say, well, Lord, please. No, no. The answer is no. Now, God will let you go. And God let Balaam go. Balaam, get, Balaam, Balaam went back and said, Lord, can I go? God said, go ahead. And then when he went, God sent the angel. He couldn't even see an angel that stopped him right in his tracks. And, and Balaam couldn't even see the angel, but the donkey did. And the donkey kept, kept stopping and getting jammed up. In the, and Balaam kept smacking the donkey. What, what are you doing? And, 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 and then Balaam said, get going. And Duncan started going again. And Duncan see that angel. And Duncan just kept turning to the side and kept stopping. And then the donkey talked to him and said, what are you hitting me for? I've been with you all this time. And God opened his eyes and he realized that there was an angel and that God was actually stopping him. God was, God was saying, no, no, I don't want you to do this. So God used a donkey. In order to, to speak to his people. God also used Nebuchadnezzar. You remember Nebuchadnezzar? You don't have time to go over the story, but God had always said concerning the people of Israel that if you keep disobeying me, that I'm going to basically, in the land that I'm, I'm taking you into, that if you disobey me, I will reject you out of that land. And that God called Nebuchadnezzar, King Babylon, he called him his servant. And God used a pagan king in order to show his people that they were going the wrong way. So why would, why would God use the Magi? Because surely God could have used, their, there were some religious people, there were some priests and people that was right nearby. God certainly could have used those folks in order to reveal who Jesus was, but God chose to use the Magi. And I believe that one of the main reasons why God chose to use the Magi was to show the people that this Christ who was born was for all people. It wasn't just about Judaism, but this gospel was to reach all the earth, all the peoples of the earth. So how many know that God is the king of all things? The Bible says he owns everything. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And God will use everything for his purpose because he's in charge and he's the king. And so God chose to use the Magi. He took their evil religion, turned it against them in order to reveal truth to them. And how many know God is still doing that today? Because God went in certain places. He had to go certain places to get us out of where we were. Do we need to elaborate any further? So God would go into some dark places in order to bring light. And that's all God was doing in order that all the world might know that, that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The next point. The Magi sought Jesus not to get something, but to give something. The Magi sought Jesus not to get something but to give something. I mean, authentic worship is really all about Jesus Christ. It's, you know, so many people, and I've seen it over years of people, that they would go from place to place and they would go from church to church. And, and you know, a lot of times if you talk to them, they're looking for, they're, they're, they're trying, they're, they're, it's all about them. 
But when you really come into a relationship with who Jesus is, listen, I want to be where he wants me to be and that my worship of him is all about him and nothing else. It's not about me. It's really not about me. And the Magi, understand, they were pagan people. These were people that were not studying the Bible like we do. They was busy looking up in the heavens and doing all that stuff and practicing kinds of witchcraft, and yet they, they understood this principle. They came all those miles not to get something, but to give something. They, they did it in order that they might give him worship. We got to come. And, and so here's the question we got to ask ourselves. What is the motive behind our coming? Let's just say, for example, when you got up this morning and come to church, what was your motive? I hope your motive was, I've come to worship him. Because how many know Jesus knows our heart? Look at uh, John, if you will. I believe John chapter number six. John chapter number six. Verses 24 and 27. Watch this. When the people, therefore, saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Watch this. Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs. I mean, no, the signs was really to reveal who Jesus was. And he was letting them know, you did not seek me because you really don't want to know who I am. Watch this. But because you ate of the loaves and were filled, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now, how many know God cuts right to the motive? And if our motive is not right, how many know it eventually it will show up? Wherever our, if we got some other agenda other than worshiping Jesus, how many know at some point it is going to show up? And Jesus, he knew all these people were following him. And how many know Jesus wasn't like, you know, everybody who's in the crowd, just because there's a large crowd, don't mean that they're following Jesus. Can we say amen to that? Just because that doesn't mean there were a lot of people that were following him. But they were, Jesus said, no, no, you're, you're not following me. You're not seeking me because of the signs of who I am. You're really seeking me because you want some food. But at some point he was saying, but you need to come to a revelation that, that, that you need to labor for the meat that don't perish. You, you need to understand who I am. In other words, what were Jesus dealing with? Their motive. You see, when the Magi came to worship, remember, they, they didn't want anything. They weren't coming to get, to, listen, they weren't coming to Jesus thinking, oh, if I go here, he's going to give me a lot of money. Oh, if I go here, he's going to give me all the peace and the joy I want. He's going to give me all this stuff. They didn't have none of that in mind. When they went to worship him, they just wanted to give him the glory. They just wanted to be in his presence. When did it ever come a time when Jesus is not enough? What, why is it for some folks Jesus is not enough? 
You know you're growing in the Lord when you come to a place where Jesus is not enough. If you got nothing else, you got him. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Paul says, I count everything else in my life but rubbish. Nothing else in this world means anything to me because I've counted all loss for the sake of Christ. I just want to know him. That's all I want in life. That, that, I, I gave my life for this thing. And so, and so the Magi, they, they demonstrated what it means to, to seek after him and, and to really press in and get to know him in an intimate way. In John chapter 6, and I'm not going to have you read it, but in the same chapter in verses 50 through 64, there were some people that was following Jesus, the same folks were following him. And, uh, and Jesus started telling them that he was the bread of life. You can read it in your own time. Jesus started talking about it. He said, listen, I'm the, I'm the bread of life. He said, if any man eat this bread, he will never hunger again. But then Jesus take it a little bit further. He says, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, and, and a lot of the folk that were listening, you know what they said? They said, no, no, this is a hard saying. Something's wrong with this. Now, you would think that Jesus would probably take the time and try to qualify it, right? Because really he was speaking in spiritual terms. He was saying that, that, that he is life. That if any man come to him and they can receive life, they can, you know, a lot of us, we think life is all about food and drink. How many know it's not about that? The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it's not just about food or drink. And Jesus said to them, I want you to eat my blood, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the scripture says that many of them, not just a couple, but the majority of the crowd thinned out. Now, how many know that is not a model for church growth? Well, pastor, you don't want to talk like that because they will walk away. They will leave. They don't want to hear that hard word. Jesus, on purpose, he says, uh, and he watched and then he looked at the 12, the ones that supposedly, the ones who was really following. He said, now, what are you going to do? Because the scripture says that he knew from the beginning where their heart was. So we got to, and see, and, and people, now, now hear, me, hear me, hear me well with this. See, you ever see people, they, they, they come into the church for a little while and then you don't see them ever, ever again. And I'm not just talking about this church, I'm talking about any church. They'll, they'll show up and they'll go through the, you know, one of the things I've learned that, that, that if you come to the church and, and you come to church because you want to find a husband and, and if you don't find your husband at the church, what do you do? If you come to church and you're looking to have your particular need and that need's not met, what, what do you do? If you're looking for a wife and it ain't no wife, you're looking, ain't no women, I'm leaving. What about, what about, what, wait a minute, what about what God said, though? You see? In other words, we got to check our motive. Is there some other agenda other than I want to know him? Now, the byproduct of going to church and worshiping Jesus, how I many know that you get good things? You, might, you may meet your spouse. Ain't nothing wrong with that. We're not knocking. That's good. But that ain't the reason why we do what we do. And so people, when, when they have these expectations that are not rooted and grounded in truth, they get upset. And they, and they say, okay, I got to go find someplace else. In other words, what is... What is, what is your motive? The Magi motive was pure. I just, I just want to know him. What do you think would happen when, if we all came to church and, and everybody just had one agenda? I, I just want to, I want to press into him. Lord, speak to my heart. Lord, whatever you say, I'm ready to obey it. 
Lord, no matter how hard it is, I'm ready to go the extra mile because I love you that much. We sang that song this morning. I love you, I love you, I love you. You know, it's a really nice song. It had a nice tune to it. But you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you do what? Oh, yeah. Love is demonstrated by keeping his commandments. So the Magi, they, they taught us and through their act of worship that we need to have but one agenda, that is to worship him. The next point. When they came, now I want you to hear this. When they came into the house, not where the manger was, but the house, the scripture says that immediately, you can read it in, in Matthew chapter 2, that they fell down and worship. Wait a minute. Do you, maybe there ought to be some conversation. Maybe you ought to say hi. And maybe you ought to say, well, am I in the right place? Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Or can we talk a little bit? No, no, no. When the Magi got there, watch this. I want you to follow me. As soon as they saw the child and Mary, they fell down and they worshiped. You know why? You know, and for some of us, watch this. You know, some people say, well, I need to get in the mood. I need to get pumped up. You know, sometimes, let me, let me, let me tell you something. If you really want to do it right, you know what you do? You get in God's presence daily on a regular basis, and you soak yourself in his word, and you soak yourself in his presence. And then when you step out of your front door, whether it be you're going to the church or whether it be you're going to wherever you go, the spirit of God is with you. And it, listen, let, watch this. You're already in a spirit of worship. So people say, well, you know what? I can't get into worship because I don't like the song. Well, you come on, let's, let's be real about that, okay? Let's, let's just, can we just be real about that? There's a lot of things I don't like. You know, I can worship God to bluegrass. I wouldn't do it, but I could do it. If I walked into a church and they played bluegrass and the words are consistent with him. I will, I'm going to worship. Now, the Bible, you remember Jesus came and, and they tried to, he came through Jerusalem and he said, listen, if you don't let these people cry out, the rocks are going to, you know, the rocks are going to cry out. These people, they, they got, they're worshiping me. But the Magi, they had 900 or so miles the whole time. All they was thinking was, I want to get in his presence. I want to just go. And, and by the time they got there, they were already filled with the spirit. Nobody had to pump them up. They didn't have to have their favorite song in order to worship. Well, the preacher was off today. So I won't. Well, you know what? <laughs> it ain't about me. Because, listen, you have come to worship the king. And, and when they came, they, they, they had all they had all. They were thinking the whole way. They were in the spirit thinking all I got to do is I got to worship. Him. I got to worship. Him. Think about if, if all of us. Was like that. We got up every morning and, and you just got in his presence. By the time you hit the door, you know how sometimes people all upset, you know, looking mean, and, but you're so full of the spirit, but it, can't, it just bounces off of you because you're just flowing and you don't need nobody to pump you up. They fell down and they worship. You know why? Because they realized who it was. They valued the Christ and they were already there. I believe God wants us to be to a point that we're just constantly, listen, walking in his spirit. 
enjoying his presence. And when the moment calls, we're already there. Next point. I'm going to mess up some of your theology, so you got to bear with me. Jesus, when, when the Magi got there, they did not worship Mary. Well, let's, because some of y'all looking like you don't really believe me, so let's just go back to the word. Let the word speak for itself. Look at Matthew chapter number two. Look at verse number 11. And when they had come into the house, watch this. What did, did they come to the manger? No, they came to the what? The house. Somebody's following me. They saw the young child, watch this, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped who? Him. The Bible says that there's only one mediator between God and man. That is the man, Christ Jesus. Now, Mary is to be honored. How many know that it's a blessing to be able to give birth to the Messiah? I mean, come on. That's, I mean, that's favor. But I believe that if Mary was standing here today, she would probably say, look, I have no idea why God decided to use me, but he just chose me. I, there's nothing extra special about me. How many know Mary was just as shocked when the angel appeared and said, hell, Mary, you are highly favored. I'm sure that Mary was just as surprised. And, and, and if she was here, she would say, you know what? Uh, God, by his grace, he just decided to choose me and use me. Just like by his grace, he just decided to call you here this morning. You're here this morning because God decided to go after you. He decided to use you. He decided he loved you before you were ever born, before the foundations of the earth. He already had you on his brain. But when, when the Magi came, they didn't worship Mary. And see, this is where I take issue with some of my brothers and sisters in a certain faith. And people, there's nothing in the word that says we ought to pray to Mary. Come on. We don't pray to Mary, you know, we don't, we don't do, we don't, we don't, we don't, no, 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 no. The, the Bible says that, 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 is, that is all about, it's all about him. Ephesians 2.9 says, therefore God has highly exalted who? Him and given him a name which is above every name. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I mean, no, it's all about the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So even though Mary was to be honored, how I many know we need to honor God's people? We need to honor the gifts that God put in the people. We need to honor the fact that God used us. But how I many know we don't worship nothing and no one but him? The Magi came and they did not worship anybody but him. And see, and we got to be careful that we don't fall into worshiping anything but him. How I many know that, 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 that God will not be second to anything or anybody? Anytime we put God out, listen, anytime we, uh, uh, we put anything before God, then we're in essence, that has become, that's the thing that we're worshiping. Above God himself. So God is to have first place in our lives. He's to be first place in everything. The next point. They brought, they brought gifts to him. They brought him gifts. See, it's understood. And uh, Dave, you got that scripture, uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 16. It's understood that you don't appear before a king empty handed. 
Back in that day, even today, when kings come in each other's presence, they meet each other, you know, usually they always come with a gift. They never came before a king empty-handed. How many know that there is no greater king than the king of kings and the Lord of lords? There's no greater king than Jesus himself. But, but, but look at this verse right here. This is in Deuteronomy, but it captures the spirit of this thing. And it says, you shall observe the feast of tabernacle seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your wine press. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates. Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord God, the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you and all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you surely rejoice. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chose at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, at the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed." You know, it was Old Testament law. They just never came empty-handed. They just, you know, because when you recognize the value of a king and who he is, you don't, listen, I mean, you know, that, 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 that worship, when they came, worship, it, 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 it cost you something. David, David had an opportunity. David had disobeyed God. And this is found, I'm not going to have you read it there, but, but in, I think, 2 Samuel chapter 24, David had disobeyed God. And uh, God had given them three choices of punishment. David chose a punishment and he needed a threshing floor. And so David, there's one person that this guy, I think his name was Omri, but he had a threshing floor. And he said, OK, King David, you're the king. I'm going to give you this threshing floor for free. David said, no, no, no. I will not offer that to the Lord. That doesn't cost me nothing. Real worship and sacrifice will cost you something. It costs you. They understood that. And in fact, I, I remember not uh, too many months ago when, when our president went to, I believe he went to see the king, the queen of e England, or who is it? You know I'm talking about, the, the queen and the queen, I think it was the queen of England. And uh, when, you know, when they went over there, they exchanged gifts with each other. And I remember that I think they gave her like an iPod. Well, and I don't know what she's going to do with the iPod. <laughs> But they, they gave her an iPod. The, 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 the thing being is that, 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 that whenever you came before a king, you, you just didn't come empty handed. And, you know, the, when, when the queen of Sheba, when she heard about Solomon, when she first came, she heard about his wisdom. She said, I heard so much wisdom about King Solomon. I need to go over there and see for myself. But do you know when she came, she had a whole bunch of gifts. Because, you see, I'm about to confront the king. How many know that? that we serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Look at Malachi chapter 1, if you will. Let's, let's drive this home point. We're almost done. Malachi chapter number 1. That's the last book in the Old Testament. Now watch this. Now watch this. Look at number, verse number 6. Now understand that in this particular time, the, the priests were offering God stuff, but they were just going through the motions. How many know that you never want to do anything for God going through the motions? If you're going to do something for God and you're not going to do it with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, then don't do it. Because he's a great king. Amen? Amen. Oh, come on. 
says, a son honors his father, verse number six, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord? So what, what was happening here with the priest? The priest was just simply saying they didn't realize who he was. After a while, I mean, no, you know, we can serve God for a while. You get saved. You've been saved for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And before you know it, stuff you used to do, you don't do anymore. We become lax. We take God for granted. We take his presence for granted. Sometimes we, 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 we trample over his grace and we think, oh, God will forgive me. And we just kind of forget that we serve a great and mighty king. The Magi understood that. And when they came, they brought some gifts because they understood that this is the king of kings. They got a revelation that this wasn't just a child. This was the Lord of glory, that he will be the one that will redeem the world from their sins. And we already know that. We come here every Sunday. We come to worship the king. We know that. Then for us, we, how many know we need to lead the way? We need to live the way, lead the way. In John chapter 12, I won't have it turn there again for time's sake because we're getting ready to close. And I really mean that we're getting ready to close because some of you guys, you guys look tired. Are you all all right? Hallelujah. Is it hot in here? Is it warm? Cold. It's cold. All right. My goodness. I'm over here burning up. You're cold. All right. But you remember uh, in John chapter 12, there's a woman who who basically she brought some very, very costly perfume. There was a pound of it called spikenard. And she came in the room to worship Jesus. This is found in John chapter 12. And she began to pour that stuff, you know, on, on his feet and just anoint him and just bless him. And, and, and you, know, you, know what, uh, the, you know what some of the, the religious people said? Or, well, actually, one of the disciples, Judas, the one that was stealing out of the, out of the tray, Judas. He said, um, could not this very expensive and costly Perfume, it, it could have been given to the poor. And Jesus said, let her alone, for she had done a good thing to me. She understood. When she came, she bought the most expensive perfume, and she poured it, and she worshipped him. Because she says, she says, I love him, and I want him to know how much I love him. And when you love him, how many know it, it makes you do things? It changes you. It causes you to some folk who look at you and say, just like Judas, why are you over at that church all the time? Oh, why are you doing all that work in the ministry all this time? Why, why are you wasting your Saturday? I mean, you could be you could just be living your life. I'm like, living my life doing what in the first place? You know, I'm, I'm you know, I, <laughs> you know, but but, you know, when you really get like, you know, you get deep in this thing, people start looking at you funny like, you know, you're always serving. God. Well, because, you know, he's worthy. He's everything to me. And so when she came, she, she, took, she took that ointment and she anointed him to send the message that, that there's nothing more precious than him. 
Nothing more precious than Jesus. I know we talk a lot about this is Christmas, and yes, it is. But, you know, we must not forget who it is that we're worshiping. How many know that he is coming back? It's, it's not about, I mean, you know, you know he, he came as a babe in a manger. And, but how many know when he comes back, he's coming back as a conquering king? Glory to God. When he comes back, he's going to come back with a rod, baby. And he's going to clean house. And every one of us need to be ready. And I'm praying every day, just like John said, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. I'm having you ready for him to come. I'm, I, I can't wait to see him. I, I can't wait to be in his presence. I mean, you know, I'm in his presence, but I'm talking about, you know, to, to be with all the saints from all time and get the fellowship with the brothers. Brother David and Brother Timothy and all the saints of old fellowship and but more importantly, it's just to worship and to see him in all of his splendor and all of his glory. I mean, that's what we live for. And so watch this. So they bring him gifts. What did they bring him? What did they bring him? And we, we're, we're done with this. They bring him gold. Gold was symbolic and is symbolic today of wealth and power. So they knew what they were doing. They brought him gold. Gold was one of the most expensive commodities that you can give someone. And even today, it's still the same way. They brought frankincense. Frankincense was symbolic of prayer and worship. You remember when, when, when Mary in John chapter 12, when she took that perfume, when she began to worship, there was an odor. There was a, you know, when the priest would go in, they would use frankincense. And that frankincense would send off a certain kind of odor. That's why we use the terminology, a sweet-smelling savor. In other words, here's a question we need, here's a question we need to ask ourselves. When we worship, what kind of odor are we giving God? What does it smell like when we worship him? What does, it, what does it smell like? I mean, this frankincense was symbolic of something that was pleasing to God. And we're going to offer God worship. How many know you just can't come in God's presence any old kind of way? You just can't walk up in God's presence and just say, hey, buddy, how you doing? No, 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 no. You just can't walk in. You got to listen. You know, like they used to say in the old Baptist church, you got to humble yourself. I don't know. If that, is that the word? Humble. Humble. You got to humble yourself. <laughs> but he's a great king. And so we don't just come into God's presence in no kind of way. I mean, we honor God. We reverence his word. We, we do everything we do with a spirit of excellence because our God is an excellent God. They also brought him myrrh. It was an herb that was used to anoint the body for burial. They knew that ultimately this child would die for the sins of the entire world. And my people, this is the message that we have. You know, we have the answer to every problem on this planet. It's found in Jesus. Do you marvel sometimes as they talk about it, they try to figure out how to fix the economy and unemployment rates going on, and they, everybody's fussing, everybody think it's all political. Can I say to you that it ain't got nothing to do with politics? I know some of, some of us take it way too serious. It has nothing to do with that because let me tell you something. Everything is moving toward a fast track. It's moving. It's moving toward Christ because the Bible says that unto him, unto him be glory, domain, and power. The Bible says that the government shall be upon his shoulders. You know, all the governments of the world are going to crumble, every one of them. 
whether it's a Marxist, a socialist government, a capitalist system, every one of them are coming down. Every one of them, and, and the government will be upon his shoulder. He's going to rule this thing. And we need to be warning people, particularly in this Christmas season. And we need to have the attitude of the Magi, that we're going to be worshipers. That how many know we got to do it a certain way? We got to remember who he is. And if we're really worshiping, here's his just review. We got to remember that it's about our lifestyle. So we can't worship God and not be in the right relation with our brother, with our sister, with our husband, our wife. You know, every time I try to pray and I won't work right with my wife, the Lord is telling me, you need to get up. I can't even, I can't hear God. I can't hear him. If I'm not right with my brother, I can't pray. I can't, because I, I know it's, we, we, God just kind of link us together that way. So if I'm really worshiping God, it's affecting everything, everything about my life. It's my lifestyle. It's everything that I do. So I want to encourage you this Christmas season to be a true worshiper of Jesus Christ by offering him your life. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.